Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, a group of us discuss our thoughts and we ponder questions regarding running Kickstarters. Running a project is very stressful, and we are all still trying to improve the management of our Kickstarters. James Floyd Kelly of Delver fame hosted us on Zoom. Zach Goins of Bite Size Gaming and Doug Cole from Gaming Ballistic rounded up the cast. Check out the show notes for contact information and links. We plan to do more of these in the future, but hopefully without the annoying buzz from my microphone. Sisters and brothers, we have an action-packed episode, so we better get rambling. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hi. Good evening. All right. So uh, the the impetus for tonight's, uh, I guess, for our, our, we'll call it a roundtable, even <laughs> though we're virtually there, uh, was I did post a, a, a few days ago on Facebook uh, regarding the issue of the length of a uh, of the campaign, it was been my experience that uh, at least for the three week period that the you know there is that traditional um, uh, bathtub curve or or however you want to, that the flattening of the curve occurs in that middle um, where I think all of us probably can agree that when it does occur, it is a valley of despair, a slew of despond. Uh, is a means of of uh, of of, of uh, consternation, um, and then I assumed that 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 curve was law. I assumed that from what I've heard, that 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 was what you had to expect. You could lengthen or shorten your campaign, but that flat curve had to happen, and it was just deal with it. But then, which kind of. Uh, threw me up upside down was uh zach threw up a uh, a um a chart of one of his kickstarters where it never flattened <laughs> it, never flattened. Yeah. <laughs> it never flattened and all i could think of looking at that it's like zach you should have gone for another two weeks <laughs> but you don't know that going in right we all have to set the time at which we want a campaign to go before we start the campaign. You can't start the campaign and say, well, maybe I could be wrong. Yeah, I will extend another week, right? You're pretty well locked in. Yeah. And so, you know, and the question is, I mean, we have, we have two things that, that, that can occur. You know, it, it either um, you could go for a length of period of time and say, you know what, it's going to be longer than I really uh, – it's, there's going to be a period where there's going to be a lull, but that's okay. But I'm going to have it long enough that I can ensure that the population of people I feel will all have an opportunity to be on this. Or you could say, you know what, this just, I don't want to drag this on any longer than it has. I've got a life. I got my own mental health. I got other things I want to do. I want to ship this product out and you can try shortening it, but you really don't know until you hit that button or set that time, what really works out. So, you know, um, uh, and I think all of us have had various degrees of, of uh, experience. Um, mine probably being the least. <laughs> so even though I, I feel myself an expert after having to do Kickstarters, uh, I'm finding myself not. Uh, so I guess, gentlemen, what are your thoughts as far as, uh, you know, the Kickstarters you've done in the past and also time and the length of time and kind of weighing out the, you know, whether you should go, Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I can I can start. Um, so I've done 
projects anywhere from a week to the typical like 30 to 32 days. Um, I will say that most of my, many of my campaigns have that flat middle, but there's a handful that don't. Um, I, I tend to stick to uh, three weeks or less for a soft cover or for, especially for a zine. Um, Cause I feel like that kind of fits the format and it, it kind of lets it be lithe and, and aggressive and, and hurry up and be done with it sort of a thing. Um, but if I'm going to do a larger project, um, basically, if it's going to be 100 pages or more, I'm probably going to consider doing that that fourth or fifth week. So right. for the products yeah. you've done, uh, are they are they generally 5e products? Do they are you, have you tried different types of game systems? Is there been? Yeah. I've got a little bit of our variety, not a whole lot. Um, most of it's 5e. Um, I've got a couple of system agnostic uh, projects in there. And, um, uh, both of those, the, both of those funded and did, did well, um, as I wanted them to, but, but everything else, I think I have, uh, currently on my profile, 10, uh, 5e products that were successful and two system agnostic products that were successful. So the system agnostics, how did they perform compared to the 5e as far as the curve? So the uh, looking at one of them right now, one of them was the week long campaign. It was for a project called Siege um, and uh, Siege was just kind of a spur of the moment thing. So it's probably not the best example, but um, it had no it had no flat in the bottom in the, in the midway. Uh, it continued on up every day and did just fine. Um, the other one uh, that I was a part of uh, was it came from the message board. Um, and that one, I can tell you in just a second, I think it did have a little bit more of a, uh, a flat grade to it. It did. Yeah. This was a two week campaign. Um, and we had a couple days towards the end of the first week where it was pretty flat and we had a nice boost there, uh, about at the midpoint and then it got a little flat again and then it kicked off at the end. So still a little bit of flow, but there were those dead points. Zach, was that midpoint? Did that coincide with, uh, like a podcast dropping or can you, can you uh, point to an event and say, okay, yeah, this is what happened here. Or if I recall correctly, um, one of the big things that we do is we uh, cross promote with people that we've worked with in the past. Um, so we don't do like share for shares and things like that. Um, but if I've worked with you, um, I'm happy to promote and vice versa usually. Um, and we had, five projects that were live at any given time on scene quest three uh that we were a part of and i think if i recall correctly we had a big project launch around that halfway point of this one and kind of promoting this one as a part that one maybe gave it the boost hey jeff yeah Okay. Hi, this is uh, Jim Kelly speaking for those of you who, yeah. <laughs> who uh, can't recognize the voices. Um, so let me tell you, when I did Zine Quest 2 a year, well, more than a year ago, uh, I did a little uh, handcrafted zine called uh, uh, Tavern Tales. And it had, it had the flat uh, middle portion to the, uh, to the whole project, which went two weeks. If you remember, mm -hmm. Zine Quest encourages you yeah. to just go 14 days. And uh, it had that, you know, it had that middle flat spot. So a year later, I ran Delver One, which which in the description, it stated that this was going to be a regular type Kickstarter every every other month. And 
even though there was a flat spot in the middle, if I actually did the algebra, there was an actual slope to it. It was very small, but I noticed that the slope increased significantly on certain days when I would issue what I call a backer challenge. I would say something like I would post an update and say, hey, listen, we're at 400 backers. If we hit 450 by the end of the day, I'm going to throw in an extra X pages or what have you. And I made a note of when those you know, updates were, were done so that I could look at the graph. And on the days that I made those challenges, I only made two in the, during that middle portion. I see a significant, not a significant, I see an uptick in the slope. And when I say significant, when you're talking, you know, your, your project ends and you've got 500 backers, a significant jump in a day might be, say, 50. And, and those, were, those were definitely there. Um, so I did that again on my Delver 2 Kickstarter. I, I picked a couple moments during the project in the middle where I said, okay, backers, if you'll help me spread the word, I'll throw in some, you know, extra pages. And sure enough, because uh, uh, when we were talking about this on Facebook, I went back and reviewed my update stamp timestamps and when those upticks happened. And sure enough, it was when I issued those sort of challenges to my backers. If I had not done that, I think the slope would have been almost flat during the middle, middle part. Well, I think what you're doing there is something that I find kind of challenging in that, you know, you can post updates, but without much to update, it feels like you're just spamming people. But if you're actually saying, hey, I've got a challenge, or you are doing something to actually engage the audience rather than just saying, hey, you know, click this, it actually, I can see where that can be a beneficial way of utilizing, uh, you know, the mailing list or the list of people. Because that's my concern is just, I don't want to just keep spamming people, but yet what you're doing isn't spamming. You're just saying, hey, you know, let's rally the troops and we'll get some more added to this. So how do you handle the flat parts of your campaigns, Doug? Uh, uh, by and large, what I have tried to do, so I've run, uh, I'm Douglas Cole from Gaming Ballistic. I've run zero zine campaigns, um, but 13 other campaigns, including one exclusively in Backer Kit. Um, my stuff tends to be mostly multiple book campaigns. I tend to be a little bursty. Um, you know, here's four books or here's five books in, in one campaign. Uh, but you know, my earlier ones were, were one or two. Anyway, uh, long story less long on that one is what I try and do, uh, and I can't always do this, um, partly because I'm really terrible at waving my own flag, but what I really like to do is try and sprinkle uh, podcasts and other uh, marketing drops uh, throughout um, and and to try and keep things uh, going. Um, screen sharing is, is currently off. Is there any way that I could share my my I want to share my screen because I have one that uh, defies anything that uh, I had ever seen before, but I can explain it. <laughs> Let me check real quick yeah. and see. I, I may not have the ability to do that, but share screen. Um, yeah, there should be a setting it, it, to allow others to share screen because it says the host has disabled it. Uh, okay, let's see. I apologize. Can you? No, I, no I hope you can edit this out, Jeff. Uh, let's see. Um, under share screen, it says maximize Zoom window when a participant shares screen. Got it. Got it now. We, I can. I have a share screen button now too. Okay. Oh. 
All right. I don't. Weird. Doesn't <laughs> like me. Um, That's odd. Yeah. Anyway, oh. you know, it, it almost doesn't matter. Here's the deal. Um, so I was going on on one of my Kickstarters, the uh, Four Perilous Journeys. And I had looked at pricing trends and I had looked at what I was doing and I had said, okay, I'm going to charge this much and whatever, whatever. Um, and people weren't really digging it. I mean, I did, you know, it was, you know, I was probably 10 or $11,000. I had funded on the first day, a team, whatever, but it just wasn't going anywhere. Um, and I looked at what I was doing and I had done some research and I said, you know, I, I think I mispriced this. I, I really think I mispriced this. I think I'm charging too much. Maya culpa. I can't lower the price, but I can add a product. Um, and so I contacted David Pulver, uh, who had turned in his work early. I said, hey, uh, TFT people seem to really like solo adventures. Can you write one? He's like, oh, I've got like nine ideas. Let's do this. I said, can you get it done in the time frame? He said, yeah, I believe so. Uh, and so I said, okay, instead of four perilous journeys, it was five perilous journeys. And by the way, I looked into printing uh, decks of cards with monsters on them and uh, counters, physical objects. And I don't like physical objects because they make my life hard. Uh, but you know, there was, I can't remember if Decks of Destiny had come and gone, but the, the TFT Deluxe Edition, the Legacy Edition, had stuff in it. Uh, and people seemed to like the cards. And actually, I know that uh, Decks of Destiny had already happened because Steve Jackson Games sent me the layout files. So that eased my graphic design burden. Um, uh, say what you want about Steve Jackson Games, but they are a great company to partner with. Um, from a, From a Anyway, so they basically said, yes, we would love you for you to make cards that are exactly what we do so that there's no difference and it all fits together, whatever. Uh, and my campaign leapt like it was like going along the couple, a couple hundred to a couple thousand a day. And then we picked up four grand after I made the announcement that, yes, that was a change. And then over a thousand dollars a day thereafter, and then the last two days we picked up eight, eight or nine grand more. Uh, so it went from meh, you know, maybe we're going to get to to wherever to uh, uh, a, a total of like forty grand. So I was I was pushing. It basically doubled the value of the Kickstarter in the last third. But fundamentally, that was a go big version of what James did, right? let's engage more, let's be responsive, let's add more value. And the interesting thing about it was simply that if you're adding more value very frequently, your backers will say, and I will pay you for that. I respect what you're doing. I want you to succeed. Let me throw more money at you. Um, and as soon as people start doing that, it flags all the algorithms. Like that, that day that my Kickstarter jumped in the middle, I went to like number one on the bigger cake or kick track or whatever because no campaigns ever do that you don't ever see a jump like that and so all of a sudden people were seeing it and they never would have before because i was stuck at number 9472 or whatever um but all of a sudden i was in the top five and and it steamrolled from there and in the slope after and the slope before are radically different now some of that is because people were able to throw more money at me uh, because I had more 
on offer, but it, it was it was a radical difference. I mean, it was you know a, a typical day became more like fifteen hundred dollars instead of one hundred and fifty. So, so the slope increased by 10 x. So did you offer for the base that you gave them more, or is it that you had add-ons? Both. They got five adventures for the same price um, in, instead of four. Uh, and I believe I even said, yes, we're doing well enough that the physical pledge price will also include the Vampire Hunter Belladonna solo adventure. And people were like, go you, you listened, let me reward that behavior. So did, were you using backer kit for fulfillment? Uh, for that I, project, yes. But because all of that problem happens- is- because you're increasing your postage is what's what's going to happen if you're not careful. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I have used backer kit for uh, collecting um, uh, uh, shipping fees and stuff since very early on once I realized that it was almost impossible to predict. Like I until I knew what fraction were international versus domestic uh, until I knew Oh look, I've done fairly well, so I can do three millimeter boards for a hardcover instead of two and a half millimeter boards and make it feel better. Oh, I'm going to upgrade the paper to 150 GSM instead of 130 or or something. Uh, you know, all of that increases postage, and I don't know it until the end. And so I, I, you know, if Kickstarter wanted to keep that money, uh, they would allow a second wave to collect postage afterwards. But this especially this day and age, right over the last year of COVID nightmare, you, you got to be really good at Russian roulette to, to play that game. Um, if you're going to ship internationally. Especially. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think with that with not just COVID, but the EU exit has actually been another major catastrophe for shipping. Yeah, and, and it wasn't just Brexit in July one of, of 20 this year. Uh, the EU started to really, uh, uh, they changed the law on how they handle some of the smaller packages that slept, uh, uh, snuck under the radar. So before you could like up to 200 euro, there was, there was a category that a lot of small publishers fit into where it didn't matter. And now they're like, no, 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 pound of flesh right here. Uh, or great British pound of flesh right here. Um, and I couldn't pass up the pun. Um, but, but in any case, it got complicated to the point where, uh, you know, some of the larger game companies just like, yeah, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. You know, when, when you guys figure out when your company, when your countries figure out how to do this in a way that doesn't grind me and my small profit margin business into the dust, we'll, we'll do international shipping again. But until then we're not playing that game. And, and that's, you know, unless you've already got such like unless you're wizard of the coast or right. really have the wheels greased uh and and have your stuff together or whatever whatever uh it's really hard i still try and offer international shipping uh, i didn't on my last campaign because i had i i but I, I will probably do it on this one that i'm going to try and launch in a couple weeks but anyway long story less long is uh engagement extra value more engagement um and and that mid-campaign surprise especially if it's not really a surprise um 
because that encourages people to come back in the last 48 hours and say, oh, wait, there's more. Right. Um, and that that tends to feed on itself um, as well. But yeah, the, the, the mid campaign surprise, I don't recommend it because it means that fundamentally I planned wrong. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, um, yeah. But but it 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 does seem to have an effect when you come out and say, you know, here's something I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do. And darn it, I can do it. And by and large, I, I found that at least the customers who are my customers are pretty forgiving about that. Zach and Jim, do you guys use backer kit? I do. OK, uh, not yet. I'm I think I'm reaching a, a sufficient throughput that I may have to look into it. What do, uh, so- what do you mainly do? Am I, if I might ask, are you mainly uh, zines? Mainly zines. Yeah, I do yeah. old school, uh, old school zines and, um, it's a niche, you know, it's a very niche niche audience. So, um, the, the niche is, uh, old school. If, if you don't, if you're not into that, you're not going to find my stuff. Right. I, I guess I was more, more, uh, wondering because, uh, for example, um, with media mail domestically, if you are basically sticking things in an envelope and sending it domestically and you kind of know, you know, I, I've never shipped a zine more than blah pages. You can probably just sort of say, yeah, five or six bucks and it'll come out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, the right. post office just did an increase and they did. I'm in Atlanta and I just noticed that if I ship to New York, 30 cents, if I ship to California, two bucks, it's, it's, uh, it's really uh, a bit crazy right now with the shipping. Um, I'm scared to check on international only because with Delver one to ship just this issue to Australia, $50. What I can ship, uh, I can ship a heavier zine for, for $28 anywhere in the world. Well, I'm, I'm looking for alternatives, but I'm saying if you, if you wanted to use the U S postal service to get a zine, not media mail to, uh, to, uh, Australia, it was around 48 bucks. And uh, I didn't, you know, my guys weren't going to pay that and I wasn't going to charge right. them that. So we, we did not get strange. it to Australia. Call, call, me a, call me after. I, I've got several different options for you. It, it, it's still expensive, but I just sent to, uh, I sent to Ireland, I sent to Brazil, and I sent to um, Indonesia. They're all 20 in at, Canada, listen, $20. That's weird. Everywhere I sent this, was the highest was maybe $16. I sent to Europe. I sent, you know, I sent some to Africa. I sent some to South America. Um, 15, 16 bucks was the top. 12 was probably the average if I had to right. guess. But Australia, for some reason, wow. was this outlier. So that might have been, was that re- fairly recent? It was about a month and a half ago. Yeah. So, so sometime in over this last period, uh, Australia, maybe a little New Zealand. And the USPS had a spat and they had a fight. <laughs> um, and actually, at some point within the last month or so, uh, they disallowed shipments for a bit. Wow. So, so, so there was a, there was a, we're not taking your stuff or we're holding your stuff in quantity or blah, blah, blah. So there, there was a, there was a problem that had to do very specifically between the USPS and, 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 and I Australia. Shipped, and I was doing my fulfillment in a very small window, four days. So it probably overlapped with that. And I bet yeah. if I check now, it's probably gone. But, so, you know, at the time I could not, I could, you know. No, you can't what, justify it. No, can't no justify way. it. And yeah. um, I was like, I'm, I won't be shipping to Australia. No. And, and so but anyway, I, I just, I don't want to leave you hanging. Um, Mixum uh, does printing in the UK. They have Canada. 
and they have Australia and New Zealand. So if you can find a partner or a backer, right, you, you can print locally and the setup cost at Mixum is like 20 bucks or 25 bucks. Um, so it doesn't take more than five or 10 or 15 copies before the marginal cost yeah. justifies right. it. If you yeah. can find a buddy, uh, well, in the UK, I use Kickstu, um, Mark Fulfer's company. Um, and, but if you can find a buddy, like I think it's uh, Dyson Lattes in Canada, uh, and there are others. I just, I'm just saying, and, and, and I have a backer who's like, I will absolutely reship these to you in the Australia and, or, and to New, New Zealand. There's actually a flat rate package for like 12 bucks, 12 Australian dollars uh, from Australia to New Zealand. Um, so if you can bundle those together and find a, a friend, um, then you can, you can get that done. And, and uh, I'll yeah. be reaching out to you, Douglas. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, and the nice thing is though, is, is that Mixum has these online quote generators. Yeah. So it's instant gratification. You're really, yeah. and they've, and they, they haven't disallowed staples like drive through has recently uh, at, at low page count. Anyway, I digress. I, I'm a big fan because of the quality of paper that Mixum offers that I haven't been able to get except in, yeah. yeah. All right. The problem the problem you're gonna find also is you can print stuff in, in in England, but if you start shipping to the rest of the EU, it can be a mess. So if you can if you if your people are within the within England, it's not a problem. But yeah. yeah. So so well, Zach, oh go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh well I was just I was gonna to try to steer us back because I had a question since we got all four of us yeah. here. Yeah. You know, one of our conversations talked about that, that S curve that we've been seeing on our fulfillment, right? On, I mean, on our, uh, on our projects. Funny, yep. And, you know, obviously that, that last kick is the 24 is the uh, 48 hour reminder that, that, you know, Kickstarter sends out and to all the followers and says, Hey, you've only got 48 hours left. I've often wondered if we would see a, uh, a central middle hump if they did a, like, if you sign up to do 40 days or 30, let's say 30 days, if, if they would trigger, and it, you know, I'm just talking theoretical here. If there was a 15 day trigger to hit the followers and that last 48 hours, I think a lot of people would stay the course for that middle, that middle road. I know I would. I mean, obviously you don't want to shorten your, your time frame too short it, because then that, that, that middle pickup would come too close to the 48 hour but obviously there's got to be a sweet spot there but since kickstarter does not do a 50 percent or half half the projects done tick it has caused me to evaluate do i want to keep doing 21 days or do i want to crush that down to the zine quest standard of 14 days and i'm leaning towards the 14 days so not a zine quest guy but my opinion especially if you use backer kit to collect shipping and do the pre-orders. Um, my opinion is you want as short a Kickstarter window as possible, as long as you can take advantage of network effects. Um, I mostly have been publishing in the powered by GURPS and TFT spaces recently. Uh, those, those segments are good to me. Um, however, uh, even when they do well, you're talking about 
two, three, four thousand people, a total I have never reached, by the way. Steve Jackson Games has, but not me. Um, Girl Genius is well over 2,000 backers or 2,500 backers or something like that right now. But a runaway 5e project or an OSR project, which is much larger than the GURPS or TFT space, uh, can do two, three, four, five, six, seven thousand backers, ten thousand. It's not crazy talk, right? I mean, they sell a bazillion dollars of Phi EV products a year. If you happen to put your finger on the pulse of one that's big, you want that discovery and you need the time. If basically you're like, yeah, I got my 500 people or a thousand people or 200 people, whatever it is. Um, and half of them are going to come in in the first couple of days, and the other half are going to come in the last couple of days. And as long as I'm clever, I'll overlap a paycheck. Then you've done everything that you intend to do. Um, you know, Zach says that he serves the 5e space, and I see all the flashing flame logos on the books behind him. Um, that's an opportunity where if the right person sees his stuff, you know, if a Jeremy Crawford or a, uh, um, uh, or if, if some comic book star is like, wow, what he's doing is really cool. I just ran into it. Uh, and they retweet it to their 157,000 followers and some small fraction comes in. That's something that you need to be there on the right day and time. And if your project isn't running when, uh, I'm totally blanking on the name, but uh, uh, if that project isn't running when, uh, you know, Matt Mercer says, oh, this is a pretty cool thing. You should check it out, right? Or, you know, the Will Wheaton effect, like they used to talk about. Oh, he's mentioned, oh, you know, I was trolling through this, and I saw this really cool Kickstarter that Zach was running, and, you know, you should check it out. And six million people come and check it out. Um, and it doesn't take very many. Anyway, the, the networking effect is real. And one of the things that Kickstarter has going for it that when I did my all backer kit project uh, is, is with the all backer kit project where I basically said, I have Tower of the Moon. Uh, it's a 16 page TFT adventure. It's done. It's not just done from a, hey, I've kind of got it written. It's done, done. I had 100 copies sitting on my shelf when I hit go on that thing. Um, I was like, I don't need a Kickstarter for this. So let me try just going to Backerkit and running a pre-order only campaign. Um, and that was somewhat less successful than it would have been because I didn't do international this time. So not unsurprisingly, there were some international PDFs and everyone said, nah, if you're not shipping to me, I'm not buying your stuff. Entirely fair. Uh, and that took maybe 10 or 15% out of my what I might have done. But the possibility for discovery. Oh, you're running this. I didn't see it. Uh, the, the backer kit stuff and a lot of other things, uh, you have to opt in. You have to really want my mass mails. You have to read my blog. Uh, your, your spam filter has to allow constant contact mailing list stuff from Gaming Ballistic. Uh, most of those are no effing way, right? Whereas most people say, yes, please, throw me the 97 activity notifications from Kickstarter. Yeah, you have to go look for them, but you know, I've, I've got quite a few people who get will follow Gaming Ballistic on Kickstarter or whatever, and they automatically get notified if I launch a project. Uh, and then when those people back it, all of their friends get notified that, right. you know, John Smith has been, and you don't get any of that for, with any other platform. 
And no, and so, I think, yeah, and I think they're looking at Zach's curve. That's where the one that was more, uh, you know, that didn't flatten out. That and maybe you could speak to Zach, but it feels like with the five E spaces, you could easily get lost. But it also feels like if you could gain momentum, there's enough people out there that friends of friends of friends start seeing stuff. You know, is that yeah. what you think of in there? You know, it, it's tricky. I think that in the five E space, you're you yes, it, there's a bigger audience, but you're also playing with bigger dogs, right? So Cobalt Press is on there, Nord Games is on there. You know, and that those are two huge ones, but there's there's probably six bigger companies that are sitting in the five E space, and they each drop a Kickstarter at this point. I mean, Cobalt Press does like three or four Kickstarters a year at this point. Um, so what I have seen is in the five E crowd you have to rise somewhat to meet that level of presentation. You can't have the flashy videos, maybe. You can't have maybe the, the, the graphics that take up the entirety of your campaign page, but you do have to have really nice headers. You do have to have a really nice stretch goal presentation. You do have to have, like, and if you can do those things, I think you can compete in that middle ground. And, you know, if you can run with the big dogs a little bit, you can kind of pick up what they bring to the you know they bring a ton of backers onto kickstarter right their communities are massive and they're coming on they're they're paying 60 dollars for a cobalt press book and then they're looking around saying oh what else is new but but they're a cobalt press backer so that you have to impress them you have to keep their interest um i think that there's a lot of 5e kickstarters right now that are falling through um there's a lot of that aren't quite making and i think that's because there's a another level of expectation that's possible in that space. Um, I will say that the biggest thing for me, um, I'll go back to it, is collaboration is number one. Number two is I tactically plan on updates for my previous Kickstarters that are pertinent to those Kickstarters that I can drop during my live campaigns. And I stagger those. So I'm not doing it all, you know, not all 11 Kickstarter, because I'm going to have, you know, maybe 40, 60% of the same people are on all my things, right? But I'm going to say, okay, well, uh, Rare Dragons hasn't had an update in three weeks. Um, I'm just going to do a little check-in, make sure everybody's got their books at this point, yada, yada, yada. And I'm going to say, oh, by the way, we've got this Kickstarter rolling. And um, what we found is that obviously the biggest likelihood for someone to back is if they back something else before anywhere if they're familiar with the kickstarter platform they are 10 times as likely to buy your stuff as someone who likes 5e but has never backed a kickstarter so any way that we can get our content in front of a kickstarter customer is an automatic win um so yeah and, and just to to double down on that that is absolutely marketing and sales 101. The, the people most, and I'm not, I don't mean, it, it was, uh, it was a relevant, it was a revelation to me when a marketing guy said that, you know, by the way, you are of course going back to your existing customers and asking them for money. Right. I'm like, well, I don't want to spend They're like, stop, just stop. Right. The, 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 the best guarantee of somebody giving you we've, money is that they've given you money before. <laughs> we've done updates. You know, we've had, we, on the same 
on the same account have done 12 Kickstarters. I've collaborated on 12 Kickstarters and we've done updates on nearly all of those for all of those, sometimes multiple updates. I've had one comment in those, those however many dozens of things, one comment from one backer that said, oh, I'd really like to not see ads. And fair enough, that was one of the few times that I hadn't tried to tie in that update to the project right. that I was right. talking to. Yeah. No, um, it, it's especially if you if you have a couple of different market segments, it's important to be like, oh, look, you know, for you five E guys, let me give you a GURPS project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. What um, what you can also do, which is yeah. really useful, is I just did it with somebody else. Um, is if anybody approaches me for collaboration, or if I approach anyone else for collaboration, hey, I would like for you to write on a book of mine. Um, part of the deal is always I will spotlight your content. At a later date, if you have a Kickstarter, I will find an update to notice it. And if I'm going to content create for you, that's one of my requests is, hey, at some point, I'm going to have another Kickstarter. One time on one update, I would love for you to promote the thing that I've got going on. So I'm hauling over their audience into mine. Um, that works really well. I know I just did it for another project that's live right now. And we we timed my update to where we could really track and see how many followers did I just give them. Um, and I sent it out to a, a, a campaign that had had a thousand backers, hundred people within the next 24 hours moved over and followed their upcoming campaign. And that was the only marketing that was going on at that moment. Um, that's huge. Uh, and you guys are all aware of the ability to make a tagged link, right? In, yep. in Kickstarter? I figured out too late for my second Kickstarter okay. and I kicked myself for not having done that. So so it's it's nifty and I only learned about it within the last couple of projects myself. <laughs> but like, um, and, and I, I want to say that at some point I was talking to Nord Games about shipping and fulfillment because um, Chris is a great guy. Uh, he'll talk to you. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, we'll drop an update for your project because it sounds nifty in one of our newsletters. Uh, so send me a link. So I sent him a link. He's like, no, 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 no. Send me a tagged link. I'm like, what? And so he's like, yeah, no, go here. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So it, it basically allowed me to see how many people had come over following the link. Um, and, and I always forget to do it. But every almost every time that you send out a different communication uh vector whatever uh you should generate a new tagged link uh daily illuminator number one daily illuminator number two facebook post on friday whatever so that you can see what's effective we and and game found has that option before your kickstarter or your campaign goes live so i would suspect that kickstarter will follow suit because they've been following suit with a lot of game found and backer kit things as they have good ideas. Kickstarter incorporates them. I think we'll see that. That was in a survey I just got for scoundrels, my Kickstarter and Zinquest three. I got a, I got a survey for that. And they asked that was one of the questions. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I guess just coming back to the original topic, um, the, the, the part of what I think for, from, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, but one of the things that we really haven't talked about is that if you want to do what we do as, as a vocation uh, instead of a hobby, um, then in the immortal words of the CFO of 
Bell helicopter. I was in the room with him once, and he's like, look, this is not rocket science. We do rocket science next door. What we do here is not rocket science. It's, 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 it's margin times turns, boy. Right? <laughs> Classic Texas guy, right? But that's it. If you're serving a particular market, if you serve them 10 times in a year versus four times in a year, you're doing two and a half times as, as well, right? I mean, so so one of the, the benefits of the uh, shorter piece is that there's built-in stupid dead time on the Kickstarter where even a one-day campaign takes you two weeks to get your money, right? Um, and and so we're 17 days, really, uh, since the bank seems to sit on it for an extra three days. Um, but the thing is, though, is that if you're running a campaign that's a month long, well, it's really a month and a half. And if you do backer kit, it's probably closer to two, two and a half months because you want time to gain, get, let people do their surveys and, and stuff. So, I mean, you're really dealing with the question of how many times can you serve your audience? And now for a zine, where, and then no disrespect, it's just, I think it's a little bit more, you know, when I did my Tower of the Moon, I had it written. I said, okay, here's the file. I sent it out. There we go. Had I had another product, I could have, even under Kickstarter's rules, launched it right then, the new, the new six, six pending or whatever, right? So, I mean, we could have just cycled, 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 cycled and have multiple going. And then it's just kind of, lather, rinse, repeat, especially if it's not an international or if there's a toy or whatever, whatever. Um, so, you know, having the shorter campaign also benefits you from a how many times can you touch your customer? Um, and now if you're touching multiple different market segments, I mean, hey, maybe that's even better, right? Um, because, you know, you have your 5E segment, you have your OSR segment, because sometimes you have your systemless segment, um, cause some, or whatever, right. Um, or maybe you have, maybe you do card games or you do a tarot deck or something, and that's an entirely different market. Um, well, you can't have two running at once, but you darn well want to cycle through them as quickly as possible. Um, this is especially true if you have a stable of collaborators and you're not doing all the work yourself, uh, and you're managing. Um, but yeah, so in that particular case, I think that, that, uh, that couple week campaign, or I, I personally like, what is it? 17, 16 or 17 days because it gives you three weekends. Um, and I think a lot of people still just like, I'm not looking at Kickstarter during the week. That's a, 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 a suck of time hole or, or their firewall, right? I can't look at Kickstarter because started because, you know, when I'm not taking care of my family, I'm at work and work doesn't want me looking at Kickstarter or whatever. Um, so I like the three weekends or, you know, even if I run a one week campaign, I'll, I'll launch on a, a late Thursday or something and close it on Sunday night uh, or, or, or Sunday mid-evening, mid-afternoon or that mid-evening so that I'm not like wired at 10 o'clock saying three, two, one, F5, 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 right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I like to, to maximize the number of weekends. Um, but the nice thing about that three-week uh, campaign is you'll frequently be in two different pay periods people uh and that can matter yeah that's true that's true and think about that and i guess also going uh circling back to backer kit uh i think when we talked zach uh correct me if i'm wrong but we talked um at game hall con you talked that as a means of having back product oh. to be able to 
Ooh, to sell. Yes, it's a no-brainer. We find that uh, across the board, we've never we've done seven projects on Backerkit at this point. Um, seven out of seven, we have made an extra uh, ten to fifteen percent is probably right in the average point. We've not never had anything sell less than ten percent extra. If we have add-ons in there, which is the big if, right? If you don't have add-ons, if you don't have other products that you can sell you're not going to get this. Um, but we have offered that with every single one of these. And we, you know, we, we had a project that did 33,000. We made about, uh, I think it was about 40 or about 4,200 or something like that in backer kit. Um, and it's consistent, consistent that way. Um, it's, it's also why to go back a moment, it's, it's also why sometimes unlocking add-ons and things in the middle of a campaign will get you that boost. Though I'm not sure that that boost wouldn't have been better served at the beginning of the campaign if you can swing it. But in Backerkit, it absolutely makes sense because people have already spent the money on Kickstarter. That's already came out of their paycheck. Then it's two weeks later or two months later, you're opening up the Backerkit and they're like, oh, well, this is new money. My my credit is, you know, like I don't owe them anything, but I could add this, this booklet or right. this PDF for 10 bucks. It's a no brainer. Um, you do have to crest over that hump though of, and Doug, you can probably help me out here. There is a percentage, and I believe it's like three uh, percent ish uh, is what you agree to hand backer kit of your campaign. Um, so you don't want to have just tiny little bits of add-on that don't amount to much on there. Um, that being said, once you have done a project on backer kit, they will waive a lot of those fees. Um, so it's kind of like a one-time expense. And then after that, and I've actually even on projects that I'm a collaborator on backer kit has attempted to charge the other person, the fee, and I'll be, Hey, I'm on the team. Can we waive that? Yep. No problem. So, um, it's not one of the, if you're looking at that fee and saying, ah, can I swing this? Is this reasonable for everything? It's almost certainly just going to be a one-time thing and you're done. I, I, I've easily overcome. Oh, and there's oh, two, two things. One is I've easily overcome the how much should I pay back a kit threshold every time that I've used it is never, never even been close. Um, two is uh, add-ons, uh, two and three, two A and two B. Uh, two A is add-ons that people, or money that people pledge for add-ons during your campaign uh, get hit by Kickstarter for the 5% um, plus the credit card fee. And that goes into how much backer kit charges you because they charge you a percentage of what you raise in Kickstarter. So the best time to raise add-ons is strictly in backer kit if you do backer kit at all. Um, number uh -oh. two, so again? I say, oh, so it really makes sense. You either push the add-ons in Kickstarter or in backer kit, but to do them both was probably... It, it's If you're going to do one, you might as well do the other, but just recognize that you're leaving um, some cash on the table. Um, as people's product portfolio gets bigger, in order to offer the kind of add-ons that you probably are able to uh, during Kickstarter, your project is going to be unreadably long. And I know this from experience because my last couple have sucked uh, that way. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, it is better to spend the excruciating time that it takes to set up the backer kit store. I yell at them for this every single campaign, and I think they're listening. Um, basically, what I say is 
you should be able to set up your product marketplace and then just go down and click. I want to include this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one in that campaign. And just basically drag them over because I've had to set up almost from now. They do have some hidden tools where you can say, oh, will you please open up the import all of my product stuff? Oh, sure. I'm like, why isn't that obvious? Come on. But it's it's really geared towards uh, a, a model that doesn't exist anymore. Like mm-hmm. when Backer Kit came out, it was too many p- successful projects are getting killed by shipping because they don't know in advance. And so you'll have, oh, we made a million dollars. Oh, we just spent a million five in shipping uh, or whatever because things happen. Um, but now with the post campaign phase, uh, you really need to be able to enter in all of your back product once uh, and then say, yes, 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 no, no, yes, yes. Another big thing on backer kit as a quick note is that playing by the rules um, on Kickstarter, when you lock, when you send out your survey, it really needs to be questions that pertain to that fulfilling that product on backer kit. You can ask arguably whatever questions you want um, and you can have a much more in-depth survey. Um, We don't, utilize that for every backer kit because we don't want our backer kit to just be exhaustively long. And again, Doug's point, it's not really built for that, but you can do it. And so you can ask, you know, those questions that you feel like would break the Kickstarter rules a little bit. You can ask those three or four or five or six questions in backer kit at the beginning of their surveys, get that information about your audience that you probably find really useful. For me, one of those questions was, what percentage of my audience is dungeon masters versus what percentage of my audience is players? Um, that's, that's a that's, huge thing to know. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, it's dungeon really masters, question. by the way, by far and above, no surprise. But <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 honestly, I I very much suspect that the few projects that suddenly break out uh, are are the ones that uh, players look at and say, "Oh God, I have to have that too." all of a sudden your your market is five times bigger than it was it's that and it's also um books that are enjoyable to read on their own Just on their right? own yeah Monst- sure. beast bestiaries right that everybody loves a bestiary because it doesn't it's my next campaign game or not yeah <laughs> it's my next campaign i'm there open. you go <laughs> hey before uh before, before we um go too far down we've yeah. got five rabbit holes open here okay sure. Um, one of the things that I sort of sidetracked with Jeff after the, the, the Facebook discussion, and, and again, I may need to remind everybody, our Facebook discussion was, you know, do all Kickstarters have this middle portion that sort of bottoms out or flattens out, doesn't bottom out, it flattens out. And so my question to, to, to Doug and, and Zach and Jeff, um, just listening to all three of you, I, you know, I've got three Kickstarters under my belt, so I'm the rookie here. So my question to you guys is, I'm looking at three unique curves on my, on my backer uh, chart. All of them have the, 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 the high slope at the beginning, level out a little bit, and then the high slope towards the end. What I want to do, obviously, is I want to find a way so that that slope never goes to zero. I need, I want that continual growth. So here's the two questions I post towards you guys. One, do you think overall for a small publisher of zines, and when I say small, under a thousand, let's just make a number up there, under a thousand zines, do you, one, do you think shortening the project time is going to keep 
is going to increase the slope of that middle portion. And then the second part of that question is, if you shorten it, obviously uh, projects like ZineQuest that Kickstarter runs and stuff like that, they want you to do two weeks. But let's, I think we've got it all in our head because most of us are doing either three week or four week projects. The second question is this, if I'm going to shorten my project, what is shortening it too much? So I'll take a stab at this and I'll try and be brief. Um, first, I, I, I do want to say the, the bathtub curve phenomenon is um, your dedicated followers getting in right away because they love you or getting at the end because they love you, but they just want to make right. sure that they know what they're getting at the end. Uh, and they don't want to have to read your updates, which drives me freaking nuts, but it's there. Uh, they want to be low contact. Like the people who come in at the end are low touch. They like you, but they don't want to hear from you much. Right. So, so that's okay. But the people who jump in at the beginning are the people who will back you almost as long as you keep delivering the stuff. And at the end, they're low touch, but they still love you. Uh, you want those two things to be as large as possible all the time. The, the, you know, spreading it out on a nice, even keel or whatever. Now, if, if you have people in the middle, they're either going to say, I love this guy. I'm going to jump in at the end, or they still want to be low touch. They just discovered you the first time and want to see that you're credible and update and whatever. And once they know that, okay, I'll just back them at the end and we're good here. Um, especially if they're like, oh, oh, he's offering. So here's the, if they offer, oh, you've got this. And now you're offered this little thing. And here's this. Just, I just want to know what I can pledge. I, I've had people talk to me about some of my more, I've been trying some Kickstarter strategies to try and um, mitigate risk on my end. Uh, and while my backers appreciate that, it drives them nuts because they want to just know, what can I pledge? I'll give you a lot of money, but I don't want to have to do it 10 times. Um, anyway, so, so I, I think there's a bit of a false premise in avoiding the, the, you know, keeping the slope up. The way that you get that slope up in the middle is those are your new people or they're out of town or whatever, whatever, right? The, the, the people in the middle there, you're reaching out to people that you haven't served before. And that's a good thing, but it's high risk, uh, low percentage, um, and, and you really want to jam as much into the beginning again as possible. That doesn't mean you shouldn't make those outreaches because that's where your growth comes from. Um, or either that or the growth comes from people getting swept up in the excitement of, oh, my God, let's see how far we can push this on day one. And that's a real thing. Uh, and, hey, here's this cool stretch goal at the end uh, that you planned for as a hey, gee whiz, but you fully intend and have already planned on how to deliver. Uh, never, ever, 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 ever make stuff up at the end. Right. If you haven't planned for it, at least by halfway through, just don't. <laughs> Right. Just take your cash and walk away. Uh, and if it's not going to fund, don't think a miracle stretch goal that requires a lot of work is going to make your life better because it won't. Um, uh, anyway, so so that's kind of the, the 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 piece about that. But the other is I, I, I think that. Uh, um, just I just think that shorter is better. The know? other thing. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Zach. I got ran no, away with it there. No, you're good. I, I, I would I would quickly note that keep in mind that the graphs really depend depend upon what your initial goal was and was it realistic was it way under what you were supposed what you theoretically should have done yada 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 right like that graph changes a lot based off of that um so 
setting the target that actually makes sense for your project will influence what your thing looks like. Um, I will say um, that <sighs> I think I think two weeks is is the lowest I'll go unless I'm doing something as a spectacle. Right. Mm -hmm. Siege was a spectacle. It came at the very last few days of Zine Quest three. It was kind of a like all the other projects have wrapped up or are wrapping up. There's no new projects being launched three days before the end. Let's launch one at the end. Um, it I would never. It worked. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it was literally I wrote it in an afternoon. Um, I designed it the next day. It was all ready to go by the time we launched. Uh, I had a goal of $250 and we did because uh, it's just a little it's, it's literally siege is a is a double sided piece of paper that's folded several times to look like a pamphlet. Oh, okay, um, sure. And um, we ended up with a thousand bucks. Right. So we had 223 backers in that last three days. Super, super happy with that for a day and a half worth of work. And literally, I think my ship, my printing cost was like nothing. Um, right. Nothing, you know. 50 cents on each one at most. Um, right. But uh, I would say two weeks is is the shortest I would go. And I would only go to two weeks if it was a smaller project. And again, I'd say a smaller project for me is things that are under a hundred pages or under a hundred pages or under $20 uh, for the physical copy. Um, if it's over $20 or over a hundred pages, I'm probably going to go at least three weeks. Or I like your idea of trying to target three weekends. That's a yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, and then the bigger projects, I think you're right. Like the other thing is to keep in mind that on those bigger graphs, you know, when you're doing a 32 day run and especially on a bigger project, the needle may only move a hair's breadth, but that hair's breadth for a bigger project with bigger's ask could be 300 bucks in a day, right? Which ain't nothing. Um, so keep in mind that like, yeah, it may be a little uptick on the graph, but hey, I'm ha I was not, I'm, the day after this campaign ends, I'm not going to make 300 bucks sitting on a chair, right? Um, so there's a careful aspect there. Last note I'll make is uh, my target throughout that middle is 10% of my initial goal a day. And that's part of how I build that initial goal. If you can do 10% of your initial goal a day, it feels like you're making progress and obviously you're going to have days that you make more, but if you have a $4,000 goal. If you make 400 bucks a weekend, hooray, you can feel great about it. 6%. It's like, okay, I can still feel like I didn't waste my life. <laughs> Anything below 6%. You're like, what am I doing? Um, and, and always plan for the one day that somebody realizes through no fault of your own that they just can't afford to do it. Yeah. I had a guy pledge for like one of my big dollar, like, every now and then i'll say hey uh for five or six hundred bucks you can have like everything that i've ever made and i'll make you a, a viking shield yeah right uh and, and people are like oh that's really cool and then they realize i really don't need a authentically made viking shield ever <laughs> <laughs> just, or their wife yeah. gets a whole yeah, their wife or their husband yeah. gets a look they're like you're buying what no no you yes. can't have one of those um and that's always a rough day because it's like, oh, wow, look, retrograde. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like we're getting close to hitting the time-space continuum. Uh, looks like we do have a hard stop coming up. So I'll just kind of uh, sort of finish just with my thought. I, I think I agree with what you guys are saying. I have the least, really actually one with the least amount of experience. But I think the problem is, is usually when we hit the Kickstarters, we hit everybody we know in the beginning. 
all the Facebook groups, we contact all the people. So we have to discover new people in the middle of a Kickstarter to be able to, to do that. And a lot of times, I think short of getting on podcasts and such, it's, it's a difficult thing to do, yep. you know, cause it's, it, you know, it's just, you know, you, you already know who, you know, you've already posted all the Facebook groups, the Reddit groups, and all you're doing is maintaining that through that, that flat time, but you're really not really getting anything new. And that's, what's hard. I, w- I want to jump in for just one sure. point. Yeah. Just, just because you struck me, reminded me of two things. Uh, first of all, Reddit hates you. Reddit r slash RPG <laughs> hates you when you self-promote, uh, yeah. but they love when other people talk about you. So that's okay. Self-promotion bad. Other people saying, I love this stuff. You should look at it. Is It seems to be better. Uh, and that is generically true. If I've gone on any of the boards, bulletin boards, you know, whether it's the purple one or whatever, whatever, uh, N-World or RPG Net or any of them. Uh, if I say, hey, buy my stuff, people are like, eh. If somebody else says, hey, I looked at Cole's stuff and it's really cool, I, I see conversion from that. Uh, so engage with your fans to have them be your foot soldiers. Uh, the other thing is um, what I'm doing literally as we speak is I put up a Kickstarter page that is good enough to get approved, but I'm going to change it. And, and I've got at least 10 or 12 days now of follow the campaign that I'm trying out. Usually I, I throw it up there and like a day or two later I launch. Right? It, yeah. It's because I really want to get everything buttoned up and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but this time I'm trying something different and I'm, I'm letting my followers notify me on launch. Uh, to have the biggest first day possible. Yep. Um, you know, algorithms. And, and it's algorithms, but it's also, <laughs> I want this to be a 240 page hardback. I can afford personally a 48 page soft cover. Uh, if I see a thousand followers, and I've never seen a thousand followers ever, but to do a 240 page hardback, that's kind of what you need. Uh, either that or you're going to spend a lot of money. When I did my Dragon Heresy book, it was 288 pages, um, and I lost $40,000 because it was a vanity project. I was going to make that book, period. Um, and I had a great job and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm a role-playing game publisher, so it's not a great job. Uh, <laughs> um, but right, but I want to be, do a big, big hardback. But in order to do that, I need, I need to know that I've got people there. Uh, and so using some of that, are you in? Are you in or not? Just do a low energy thing, click. You know, so the more that you know that, especially if you're, if you're reaching high, and I really want to emphasize what Zach said, don't say, oh, well, here's a, a funding level that'll get it made, but I'm going to be mad about it. Right. Bake, in, bake in enough money so you're at least happy and even better, bake in enough money so you can make the next one. Um, because otherwise you're hand to mouth every time where if you can put aside some working capital to make the zine after the one you're making now, then anything beyond making the next one, you put in your bank account and say, yay, or share yeah. with your collaborators or whatever, right? Yeah, Take exactly. Profit in. I thank you, Zach and Doug, for, for joining, and especially yeah. Jim for setting us up. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, happy to do it. You guys have a good evening. You too. Hey, thanks again. Take care.